When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It is, of course, as always, a pleasure to have you with us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And today we celebrate the life of a man who played 246 games at the top level. Not only was he a good footballer, but as it turns out, as they say in the racing industry, good sire as well and his name is John Murphy. Murph, welcome. Thanks Peter. Nice to have you in here. Yeah, good to be here in the new studios. Yes, now we were just chatting before and uh, I think one of the last times that we saw each other we might have been calling a game together. Well you did the calling, I was just sitting there beside you. I was um, was general manager of Coburg Footy Club for a couple of years in the early 2000s and I had to ask you the question when I came in, uh, why were we sitting there and you said we did a VFL game on a Monday night, they used to have VFL games on. Yeah, C7, as it was in those days, which was kind of the forerunner before Fox Footy, had a footy channel, and they would do a VFL game uh, from Waverley on Monday night. Good let's place just, to be on a Monday yeah, night. Yeah, let's just say there wasn't a lot of people there at <laughs> no. the time, so I'm glad you were there that night because you probably doubled the crowd. But, um, yeah, we used to do a regular Monday night game. Peter Dacos used to do it with me. Uh, so that's 20 years ago. Gee, doesn't yeah, time it's, fly. It's scary, isn't it? How long did you spend at Coburg? Just for two years, uh, VFL, Ken Gannon was the boss of the VFL in the time I left, uh, when I retired from coaching Fox Hill in 1998, I think it was about two years later, uh, Coburg Footy Club were put in the hands of the administrator, and he rang me up and just said, would you mind going out there to, to be the general manager for the rest of the year, just to get them through the season? I didn't know what I, didn't have a clue what I was going to do, mm. um, so I did that, and we got through that administration. Then I was, I was part of the deal to organise with the Richmond Footy Club when we combined together, when they, uh, Kobe became their club in the VFL. And uh, that lasted for another 12 months, and then they quite rightly put their bloke in charge of running the football club. So then I was out. So that was two years there, yeah. Talking about Preston, Kramer Street, um, when you went out there, there was almost guaranteed to be a stink on during the game and probably off the field as well. Oh, yeah. On and off, do what you do on the ground and do, what you, <laughs> do it off the ground. Uh, you, you talked about your time in radio um, with 3AW. You were around the grounds, one of the famous voices around the grounds. Who were the other around the grounds guys? There would have been big El Martello, wouldn't there? Yeah, the ones that lasted a lot longer uh, in that era. So it was Gary Bryce, yeah. The Barrel, mm. and Marty. Um, in and out there were Mick Irwin, Mick Irwin Sr. And uh, Greg Brown was there when I first started, um, who played at Essendon. My memory is terrible, but you know, there was obviously Harry and, and Tommy and yeah. Billy Jake. Was, uh, Billy Jake was as sensational. Well, they were all good good blokes. And I was just happened to be, when I came back to um, to Melbourne, 
uh, when I was coaching over in Olvis and I was walking down the street to go to the MCG on the famous day, I think it was when both them, when when they threw the gates open in the test match between oh, yeah. Australia and England. Yeah. And I, I ran into Billy Jacobs. He said, oh, you're back in Melbourne. What are you doing? And I said, oh, I don't know. Probably coming back here next year. He said, well, do you want to work on the radio? Mm. I said, me? I've got the worst voice going around. <laughs> and he said, no, you just come on and just be yourself and all that sort of stuff. We'll talk about it. I said, yeah, okay. So I had 16 great years with those blokes. So, it, you know, Harry was a great bloke. Yeah. Vital. And it was Rex and... There it goes. Yeah, I had the pleasure of um, calling with Rex for probably seven or eight years. Um, speaking of unpredictable, you just never knew what was going to happen when Rex was behind the microphone, no. but that was part of his beauty, I guess. Yeah, we never knew what was coming down the line when you're doing around the grounds <laughs> and you uh, and he'd say all these sorts of things to you and you'd, you'd try to have a go back at him, but they'd cut you off. <laughs> you know, they'd, no, he was uh, entertain, entertainment plus Yeah, Rex. Because I, I guess, John, that a lot of younger people listening to this would say, around the grounds, you know, why would you do that? But it used to be that there were six games on a Saturday afternoon. It's not like the staggered schedule that we have now. And so all these games were going on at the same time and, and you had to find out what was going on at the other grounds. That's right, yeah. You'd walk in with um, a little box with all the radio equipment in it. Yeah. And a box bigger than that with a mobile phone <laughs> in those days. <laughs> uh, I can even remember... Taking Hutto on his first, I think it was his first gig, right uh, to go down to Geelong, uh, around the grounds to see how it all operated and all that sort of stuff. So he must have been, geez, I don't know how old he would have been then. He, would he have probably been, still looks the same, though, yeah, probably, as he yeah, does yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. He's probably early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember just going back um, doing around the ground stuff. When I first started in radio, I did um, a couple of around the ground stints with Ian Cleland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who used to work for 3UZ at the time. We, yep. I remember sitting in that box, you know, the scoreboard box at South Melbourne there at the Lake Oval yes. over on the lake side of the ground in this yep. cooped-up little box doing around-the-ground stuff. Oh, some of the areas you used to be in, people wouldn't believe. Yeah. You wouldn't be allowed to get in there now. Health and safety would close you down. Yeah, some of the ladders that you had to go up and yep. you'd be sitting on platforms and, the, and you know, there'd be bird poop everywhere. <laughs> it was yep. just, it was remarkable. You've been there, done that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's a, a different era. Um, do you like the way footy's going these days? Uh, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Um, I really, I'm not going to really criticise the game because I, when I go to the footy, I just watch my bloke play, yeah, uh, Mark play, um, and don't really care about the game. Uh, but they've cleaned the game up, which is terrific because our days it was pretty, pretty ordinary. And some of the things that used to happen. Mm. Um, so these days it's a lot cleaner, and which filters through to the local local competitions, which are far better. Because I had a couple of sons who played local footy, um, and that has helped all that sort of stuff. So in some ways I love going to the footy, but in some other ways I don't. You know, I, it's sad to hear some of a lot of old bucks like me just say that they don't go to the footy anymore mm. because they've lost interest. But I think we get carried away and think it was better than our day, but I don't think it was. Were you there a couple of weeks ago when Mark kicked that remarkable goal? No, I wish I'd gone to Fremantle. I went to Sydney on the weekend, which was good. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, but I people people in Perth would have heard me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet when I uh, when he kicked that goal, uh, that was yeah, that was a, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would have tried to snap it with your right foot. Yeah. Just the cool his coolness was, was great that day. But they were, 
They've been fantastic the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they have. They've turned the corner and um, they seem to be playing with a, a certain freedom now that a change of coach can sometimes bring. You talked about the old days and the targeting of players. Your son, Mark, great Carlton champion, has been targeted. You know, he's worn a lot over his career in footy. How's his body holding up? Yeah, well, he's had... Um, uh, I'm not going to say what I've seen of what happened to him early in his career. Mm. You know, I've seen some pretty ordinary things happen on the footy ground. Um, but his body, consider he's had a lot of sort of impact injuries, like he's done two shoulders and uh, when he gets injured, he gets injured, broken jaw and, uh, and uh, well, what do you have, syndromosis of the ankle, which costs mm. him half a season and a plantar fascia and all that sort of stuff. Considering all that, he reckons like he's 31 or something now, um, his body is like a 29-year-old as far as his legs and all that sort of stuff are concerned, if that makes sense. Mm. So he's running on top of the ground now, which is good to see. In the old days, if those things had have happened, then retribution would have happened probably out on the footy field. Ross Lyon actually alluded to that with um, Nat Fife last week after what Fremantle did and said they might take it into their own hands, but it's pretty hard to take it into your own hands now. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. I used to, when I was playing at Fitzroy, if anyone had touched, touched me or Gary Wilson mm. and Warwick Irwin, because we were the, the little, supposedly little blokes, yeah. we had a bloke named Ian McCulloch who's the toughest man I've ever seen play football from East Perth. Mm-hmm. I think he played at Fitzroy for about five years. Uh, probably played 60 or 70 games. It might, might have been a bit more than that. But he would just, if someone touched us, he would just go after him. And the opposition players were terrified of Ian McCulloch. After a while, we didn't get touched. <laughs> Macca would chase them. I remember, I'm not going to say who they were, but there was two Hawthorne blokes. One said, you do something about this Ian McCulloch, he's going to kill me. He said, no, you fight your own battle. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere near him. Yeah, you had protectors in those days. The game's too quick for all that sort of stuff now, anyhow. And not to mention the fact that there's 20 cameras on a game now rather than just one or two. And so if you do something even not remotely in the area of the ball, the likelihood is someone's going to know about it. Yeah, well, it's true. But they didn't have cameras. No. In some games, the one and only time I got reported was hitting Tuddy. It was just one of those... Newsreel things. They just, mm. someone happened to have it there to, and it was presented at the tribunal. They didn't have a, it was, the game wasn't broadcast. Uh, just one last thing on Mark uh, before we delve into your great career in footy. Uh, of course, when he came into the game, there was that tug of war that was going on. Would he go to Brisbane? Would he go to Carlton? Are you happy that he finished up at the Blues? Would you have liked to have seen him sometimes wearing that old Fitzroy jumper? Uh, yeah, in some ways, but Brisbane. I've tried to. I remember taking my kids to the grand finals and all that sort of stuff in the early 2000s and they won the three, hoping that it would mean something, you know, because when Fitzroy folded up, they folded up. Mm. And Brisbane didn't, in the early days, didn't sort of put their arms around the former players, in my opinion, um, because the record holder wasn't Kevin Murray, it was Marcus Ashcroft and all those things, where Sydney did it completely different. Sydney became South Melbourne. South Melbourne became... Or one club. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't have minded if he had gone to Fitch, uh, Brisbane. If he was born a w- uh, probably a month earlier, uh, in June instead of July, he would have been able to go uh, to get drafted the year before that he did. And he would have gone father-son. 
because they were going to take him. Mm. But he was too he was too young. Then the following year, two or three of the clubs in Melbourne said they were the, they would take him as their first pick. And it happened to be Carlton, Collingwood, and Hawthorne were the bottom three sides, so they were all in Victoria. So he had to make the decision what he wanted to do. And, and Brisbane did everything possible, everything right. They were a fantastic Brisbane footy club at that stage. They took us up there, to, showed us around, all that sort of stuff. And folks like Craig Lambert, who is a fantastic bloke, um, they were superb. But at the end of the day, Mark made the decision um, to stay in Melbourne. And it was his call. I had no say in it at all. I said to him the day that I got home from work, and he said, I've made my mind up, I'm going to stay in Melbourne. I said, well, what you've got to do is you've got to go and tell, ring Lethal, Lee Matthews. He said, no, I don't want to ring Lee Matthews. <laughs> I said, that's, that's what you've got to do. And he, did, he went and did it, and he said, that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. At that stage, for a 17 or 18-year-old kid, yeah. to a legend of the football world. What did Lee say to him when he told him? Oh, I think he just, I can't remember. I think he just said, "Well, that's good. Good luck in your career and all that sort of stuff." And that's that's typical Barney, isn't it? Yeah. There he was at Carlton, and I used to hate Carlton <laughs> <laughs> with a passion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm a Carlton supporter. Yeah. So hopefully for another three years. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Um, he's been a great champion of the game and a great champion of that club. Thanks, Bertie. Yeah. You talked about the relationship between. Fitzroy and Brisbane in the early days. Do you think that's changed a bit now, John? Do you think that they've embraced more of the link between the two clubs? I think they have, yeah. They have. They've tried hard and um, uh, they wear the jumper now. You know, I think they, they could have worn the jumper er- earlier. And whether they're allowed to or not, I don't know. AFL mightn't allow them to and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but they've got the best... Fitzroy now have got the best museum around for people who've never seen it. Uh, it's at Eddie Head or yeah. no, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel Stadium. Marvel Stadium now. Yeah. It's recognised as the best museum around the place. And Arthur Wilson, who was the general manager of Fitzroy way back and he recently became an OAM. That's good. Arthur, as you mentioned, you owe me after this. Um, <laughs> now there's every, every player that's ever played for Fitzroy, people know who they are now. Mm. And that's a thing that was always worried about that once you're gone. There's no more Fitzroy. All the play, people that gave their heart and soul for that football club will be forgotten, but now they're not. Mm. And Brisbane had a bit to do with it, of course. And they've got people down here now working for both sides. And it's good to see the way they're going at the moment. We've covered a few things in the first segment yeah. of this show. Um, when we come back on the other side of the break, I want to talk about your great career and where it all began. Well, you've only got five minutes left. Have you? No, <laughs> no, no, we've got plenty of time left and I'm going to enjoy every minute of it with John Murphy. Hope you're enjoying it with a great champion of the game on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll be back with more with John after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. What a pleasure it is to have John Murphy as my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Let's go back to where it all began. John, where did you grow up? Oh, uh, Lower Plenty Road, Rosanna. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it, when I was born, the family moved into that new home in 192 Lower Plenty Road, Rosanna, which is, a, um, people know that area, which I think was the first or second house in the road. So, Wow. 
1949. <laughs> <laughs> That's a while ago now. Yeah. When did your love affair with footy begin? Were you always mad on footy? Footy and cricket. Yeah. That was just what I did. Well, you got it from your dad too, of course, who is part of a remarkable football dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, dad was um, well and truly retired from footy at that stage. He mm. played at Hawthorne. Um, but he was he played footy and cricket at Heidelberg, which is the next suburb, and well, the main suburb. Rosanna was a, the outlying suburb in those days. So that's where I played footy and cricket. You know, so then I just uh, played senior footy and cricket in that club and then went on to foot, uh, Fitzroy after that. How good were you at cricket? Um uh, you know, you know everything about every sport. Uh, you know the schoolboys, the Dowlings here. They used to call. Yeah. It. I was captain of uh, Collingwood, and won the batting and all that sort of stuff. And uh, they wanted me to go and play in the twos the following year at district level. And Dad knew Clive Fairburn very well, who was associated with Melbourne. He had the Clive Fairburn Sports Store because mm. Dad was president of the Highbury Cricket Club and used to get all his equipment off Clive in the city. And he said, no, look, go to Melbourne because you'll, you know, you can get a membership at the MCC if you're, if you're any good at cricket and all that sort of stuff. But I went to there and I, I didn't fit in there. I just didn't go to the right sort of schools. <laughs> I'm not going to go any further than that either. And, uh, and then eventually just gave cricket away. So I was, I was all right. You talked about the early days. When did it become apparent that you had what it took to make it at the top level? And who was influential in that? Um... Well, I played just junior football at a club called West Heidelberg Boys Club. And uh, they had a couple of teams in the... Well, they, they played in the Preston District Footy League. That was under 13s and 15s in those days. They didn't, that was all there was. Not like today, they have attackers and under 9s and 10s and 11s. And they were under 13s and 15s. Because uh, Dad was a good friend of a bloke named Dion Hogan. He used to work with the Herald Sun, I think who was a coach of the under-13s at West Heidelberg Boys Club, which is a Catholic church for the young kids in the West Heidelberg area. So it was a pretty rough area in those days. Mm. And Rosanna was only the next suburb down from there. So um, I played there for four years. And then I went to Heidelberg Football Club uh, when I was 15 or 16, 16, I think I was, and played in the seniors there, won their best and fairest. Um, and then that year, because it was Fitzroy's own, they wanted me to go down. So they invited me to go to training on a Tuesday night, and then Hawthorne invited me to go to, for every other tu- alternative Tuesdays at at Hawthorne because I could play there under the father's son. So I did that a whole year while I was playing at Heidelberg, and then I had to make my mind up at the end of the year where I wanted to, to go. So in some ways I had a choice that other, other kids didn't have. They'd play wherever they were zoned. Um, but I felt more comfortable at Fitzroy because they were sort of bikes from the area, whereas Hawthorne were a bit, bit like the Melbourne Career Club in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to go to Fitzroy, and I, and I thought the old man accepted it, but I found out many, many, many years later that he was a bit devastated by it. But you wouldn't have known. Mm. He'd never missed a game I played at Fitzroy. Never said a word. He was my you know, um, biggest supporter. Um, so he told you that in latter years? No, someone else did. Really? Yeah. Um, and uh, I knocked it back, knocked back Hawthorne and probably missed out on playing four or five premierships by mm. doing that. But that's, 
that's life. And that's, that's the only thing I, I was hoping Mark didn't do. <laughs> Not yeah. take a chance to go to Brisbane because I was just still okay, weren't they? Yeah. Back in 2005 or six, whatever it was. Yeah. Coming off that great era. Yeah. But anyhow, but that's, that's, that's why I went to Fitzroy. So were they still playing out of Brunswick Street at that stage or had they moved? No, uh, well, they were training at Brunswick Street. But in 1967 when I, played, when I went down there, it was the first year, the first game, uh, that was their first year at, at Princess Park. Okay. Three years at Princess Park. So my first game was against Carlton, first game of the season. Do you remember it well? Uh, I, I remember playing on, um, oh, there's two gills, Barry and John. Mm-hmm. The board had one in the back pocket. Number 21, that was Barry. Barry, played on him in the back pocket. I was a second rover to John Newnham. Yep. Um, I remember that. Eh? Was, it was Jezza's first game with Carlton and Brian Kekovic's first game with Carlton. Other than that, that's all I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> you probably remember that you didn't win because wins were scarce in those days for Fitzroy. It was, it was a battle. First couple of years, yeah. 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 Did you enjoy your early years, though, despite the fact that you were playing in a team that found it hard to win? Yeah, because you're playing VFL footy. Mm. You know, that's what I've said to Mark a few times. I said there's a lot, of, a lot of kids at Carlton probably don't appreciate how hard it is because they're just enjoying playing footy. You know, they're playing AFL footy. The first one, two, three years, that's that's your major concern. Then all of a sudden you start realising, geez, you've got to start winning games here. Mm. Because if you don't win games... Might get sacked or whatever. So, um, yeah, so it was pretty tough early, but you know, I, I had a great person as, as my first coach, Bill Stephen. You know, there's probably uh, the three probably main people. Well, there's probably four. You know, I'd, I'd look back on it. Obviously, my dad, um, then Billy Stevens, my first senior coach, uh, Tolly for getting me, you know, fit to play the way I wanted to play in, in football. Um, and Arthur Wilson is probably the four sort of elder statesmen of my life that I look, you know. So, and even Kevin, well, not, not even, take that word out, but Kevin Murray was also fantastic for me. So, What was he like to play with? Because his courage is legendary for those who didn't see him and uh, such a, a great character of the game and a great fellow. And I'm sure that that was the way that you encountered him yeah, as well. Yeah, it was pretty, um, because he actually came to Fitzroy his first game back after being... He went to Perth for two years in mm. 65, 66. I think it was. No, oh, yeah, it must have been. So his first game back was my first game. And uh, we played together for about five or six, well, seven years, I suppose. Um, and he was probably even a, a better player before he actually went to Perth, they reckoned, like people. But he was still a great player when he played because he won a Brownlow in 1969. Moser played centre half back in a lot of his career. He had long hands. He was only five foot 11, but. Into his huge long arms that go down. But probably the hardest thing was the day that I took over the captaincy from him, and he actually, I actually was his captain, which is a bit weird mm. in some ways. How did that come about? Uh, really can't remember, I suppose. But um, did I he relinquish it? I don't. I can't. I can't remember Pete, whether it was the club's yeah. decision or his decision. Um, I'm just trying to think when it was. Now it was 1970. Three maybe, mm. it's five years I think I was captain for, so it was seventy four, something like that. So most of, I think you played the year another year I think, so that was a big thing in those days to be taken over as Kevin Murray's captain. And then with Norm Brown, who was 
a legend of the footy club too, was vice captain to, to Kevin for a long time. I, to, I overtook him too, which is a bit weird in some ways. But mm. yeah, those things happen, don't they, in footy clubs? Yeah. Who were some of the other blokes apart from Bulldog and and Norm Brown, who you remember playing with, and you know some of the names that may not necessarily be as well known as those two, but uh, blokes that you admired playing with? Well, it comes up in conversation a lot. No. Not a lot, but when people say, you know, who were the great players you played with? And I said, well, uh, a full back was Harvey Merrigan. Mm-hmm. Was, I classify, and these other blokes like uh, Jeff Southwick, um, Denchy, Kel Moore, superstars, they were the three recognised ones of the, that era who were the best full backs around. And I reckon Harvey was as good as them. And he didn't get the credit because he was playing at Fitzroy and not playing in finals and all that sort of stuff. Because it, your reputation is not as huge as it should be in, in some people's cases because they don't play finals. It's not their fault. Like Bobby Skilton, if, well, you can't do this, but if he took away his three Brownlow medals, mm. Bobby Skilton well, he's played one final. You're kidding, aren't you? But he's a superstar Yeah, because he won three Brownlows. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. I, uh, I remember that day. Harry Wilson is another one. Like, yeah. Like he played some finals at the end of his career. If he'd played finals like a Joel Selwood or Scott Penelbury who played finals nearly every year, mm. he'd be right up there, wouldn't he? Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But getting back to the Fitzroy era. Oh, there's Warwick Irwin. Yeah. Um, but we had, we had some great little blokes. You know, I'll throw myself in there, even though I was taller than both of You're uh, all right. Gary and... Warwick, mm-hmm. um, Normie Dare was another one on the wing, and yeah. Alan Thompson. Um, we had some very, very good players, but just towards the end, we're we're finishing. If I think we finished fifth once one year when they only had the four, and then when they had the five, we might have finished sixth. Yeah, you know, when they finished had the six, we might have finished seventh. We were just always just missing out, mm. and that's what eventually blew up. I just lost lost it one day after a game and. Said a few things I shouldn't have said, and then that was the downfall of me being at Fitzroy. Who did you say those to? I made a stupid comment to a co- uh, reporter after a game at Geelong when we got beaten. I said it's about time this football club did something, get some new players into the place. I think we're having a bad year that year in nineteen seventy-seven, and uh, I said, look, I don't care whether they sell me or whatever it is, because it was the time that uh, obviously had left. Melbourne, and they got some players. they got some players for him, I think, in those mm. days. Or that made Melbourne to go out and get players. I don't know, I can't remember. I'm struggling to remember a lot of these things. Mm. Um, so, and then the club turned nasty on me. Uh, they wanted to take the captaincy off me for making comments like that, which is probably, in hindsight, was probably fair because I made to the press. At the time, though, did it hurt you because you'd given your heart and soul to the club and oh, you were going through yeah, a diff- no, yeah, difficult look, era? There was... There was a lot of things going on at the time, which um, Fitzroy people never forgave me for leaving, but I didn't realise what was going on. Uh, Kevin Rose, who was a coach, he stood up for me and said, well, he's only telling the truth. And they said, you know, well, okay. Well, North Melbourne had rung me because that was the year that you could go, you could still go to another club before the 30th of June. Mm. And they said, come to us. We'll give you whatever you want. We want you to take this spot in the, in the team. And it got pretty close to going. And I said, at the end of the day, it was about twice as much money. Um, 
And at the end of the day, they said, make your decision. I said, no, nah, look, I really don't want to leave this foot, footy club. I love the Fitzroy Football Club. I don't want to leave. Um, North won the flag <laughs> that year. Um, so it was Hawthorne missed out on a few. And uh, North, not I might not have got a game, but anyhow. Um, I think you would have. But then Fitzroy said, uh, it got pretty pretty narky after that because I didn't know what was going on with North Melbourne. Um, I remember we, Fitzroy would never have an end-of-year footy trip other than go to Sydney. And there was a, Glenn Robertson and I and Dave McMahon and a few others designed this uh, raffles and everything to get... And we finished up going to Hong Kong and Singapore at the end of the 77. And all the players were told not to associate with me at all. And they tried to stop me going and all that sort of stuff. So it got pretty, pretty nasty. So it became untenable at that stage. Yeah. And I knocked back north and they dropped off on me then. Mm. And I found out later that Tommy Hafey had told certain people at Collingwood to contact me because he was overseas. And when they come back, I'd sign with South Melbourne. And he said, what happened? And I said, well, no one contacted me. So, And Tolly was at, John Tolman was at South Melbourne then, as chairman of selectors at uh, South Melbourne. And Ian Stewart, who I did some running with, was the coach. And uh, so I signed with South Melbourne. And then two days later, Ian Stewart resigned and went to Carlton as coach. It was different days. Why don't we take a break and then we'll talk about that time at South and we'll talk about the time at North and that final and uh, the progression of your football career. It's been a fascinating chat with John Murphy. Hope you're enjoying it on This Is Your Sporting Life, a Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Plenty more still to come. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. What a fascinating chat it's been with John Murphy on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives and still plenty more to find out about John Murphy's football journey over 246 games. So that untenable situation, Murph, happens at Fitzroy and you find yourself at South. Who were some of the blokes you were suiting up with in those days? Before you go there, I'd... You mentioned 246. I ran through a banner at North Melbourne for me 250th, but now I've only played 246. Oh, right. Well, I'll have to have it. No, no, no. You're right, because they took four games off me. How Not did... only me. They took games off a lot of blokes. How so did they do that then? Well, in the in the early 70s, there were times when um, uh, state games were played on a Saturday mm. when they were playing home games in Melbourne. If you got picked in the Victorian side, you might have gone to Perth or something and played over there. Mm. They'd count that as a game. And then, uh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, they went back and took all those games off the blokes that played. Yeah. So I went from 250 to 246, but I, I think Megsy, uh, Keith Gregg, went mm. from 300 to 297 or 296 or something. Okay. So I'd be more upset if I was him than, <laughs> Probably. than, than me. How much time did you spend at the Lake Oval? Um, I played there in 1978. I missed the first four games. Got the st- I had to stand out because Fitzroy wouldn't clear me. Um, and then I played. I missed two at the end, well, midway through with an ankle injury. But I happened to fluke with Best and Ferris somehow that year there. You, you fluke a Best and Ferris, yeah, do you? Yeah, I did. I did. I fluked that one. How do you fluke a Best and Ferris? Well, you're lucky. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> oh, no, you do. Well, sometimes you are, sometimes you 
you know, you might deserve to win one. Sometimes you miss out. How many did you win in your career? Was it five? Uh, five at Fitzroy and one at South. Right. Um, so you fluked all of them? Yep. <laughs> no, I, I won a couple of them. But I, you know, I came a tie once with Mother. Mm. Got beaten by one brand, by one vote by Norm Brown. And I think I won one by one vote. So it's luck sometimes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But anyway, we'll get, yeah. Fair bit of hard work amongst the luck as well. Oh, yeah. Well, not like Barney Matthews. He won nine, didn't he? Or Bobby Skilton won nine. Yeah, but if you're going to start measuring yourself against those blokes, <laughs> then everybody's no good. <laughs> Demps won six or seven. Yeah. There's plenty of them around. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy your time at South? I did till the uh, following year when, <laughs> when they tipped me out. Um, Why did they tip you out? I really can't remember. The following year... At the end of the year, they there was a big fight going on between because the club what they sacked they were going to sack Tuddy, and there was a school of thought, rightly or wrongly, that either Mopsy Rantel or I were going to coach the club the following year. Mopsy's a fantastic bloke, Mopsy, but then Ian Stewart came back, which is strange. Seen he walked out on the year before, but he'd been kicked out of Carl, and uh, he came back, and um, we sort of didn't hit it off. I played a few good games early in the season, but then I played one one or two bad ones, and then I got dropped for the first time ever uh, with Len Thompson. We both <laughs> we both played our first because Tom had gone across to South Melbourne then too. Mm. Uh, we both played our first games <laughs> ever at Windy Hill. It's not the best place to play your first no. reserves game. And then North came knocking and said, "Look, we'll we'll take you for the rest of." The- the contract. Um, I had a big contract at South Melbourne. I'm not going to go anywhere near what they were offering, but they didn't fulfil their commitment to the full extent. So you find yourself at North? Yeah, and uh, struggled. Played, I played uh, only played nine games, I think. In retrospect, when I look back on that time at, at North, who were, who were a fantastic football club in those days, mm. they were just couldn't believe it. You know, the like the first week there, my wife and I would we went to Lazar's for, for dinner with yeah, the club. Yeah, the restaurant, the famous restaurant yeah. in Melbourne. Then in, we all stayed at a hotel somewhere like, at the mountains and all that sort of stuff and afternoon tea and all that sort of stuff. Gee, this is very swanky stuff How in those days. How long has this been going on? We used to have pie and a party at Fitzroy or in South Melbourne if you had lucky. But, but they, were, they looked after their players. Did you find it hard to cope with the fact that for so long you'd been part of that machine which occupies so much of Melbourne and so much of the country, really. A lot of players find it very difficult once uh, that is cut off. Look, I, I probably did, but I can't really recall whether I, I really suffered too much because I got straight into coaching and all that sort of stuff. I, I would think the, the kids these days, or the players these days, would find it really hard. Well, I think the Players Association is doing a lot about that these days because they're aware of that. I think one of your other sons, your yeah, other son yeah. works at the Players Association, yeah, no, doesn't he? Brett's uh, my oldest. He's two uh, IC. He's two IC to Paul Marsh. Yeah, they're, they're very the, conscious of that these days, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. I think the players are probably ten years ago they weren't as prepared as well to retire than they are today. Mm. I think most of them now are twigged. You know, they've got to do something, and the clubs sort of encourage them. I've often said the difference between footy today and footy in your era is that. Today you get suspended if you have a beer, and in your area you got suspended if you didn't have a beer. Yeah, it was a different world. Um, look, yeah, some great footy sides. They used to party pretty hard. Mm. Uh, Who were the best party animals that you played with? 
Ian, Ian McCulloch was pretty good. The bloke I talked yeah. about before is, you know, Johnny Duckworth. All these Perth blokes, they were all terrorised. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a party, but oh, I don't know. Collingwood is pretty famous for the socialising in those days. Is that something you're envious of when you hear everybody talking about, you know, premiership reunions, that bond that yeah. uh, the great sides have, that, you know, that's something you probably get together with your old mates, but you've never got that No, we well, always if it, if it, we used to have a past players thing and all that sort of stuff. Now uh, we don't have that anymore. Um, Shane Malloy, who used to play at Fitzroy, he's been... He, he organises probably two or three times a year that 10 or 15 of us catch up for lunch somewhere in the city and all that sort of stuff. We're just about out of time. I'm going to take our final break and then we'll come back with some final thoughts. It's been a fascinating chat with John Murphy, a great football journey on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives and we'll be back to wrap things up with Murph on the other side of the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Our final segment, what a shame that is, with John Murphy because this has been a fascinating chat. One of my favourites on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Murphy spoke about the fact that uh, there were some interactions that you said a few things along the way and caused perhaps a little bit of angst with the football clubs that you were with. When you got to the end of the career, did you sit back and think, shouldn't have done that, I should have changed this, or is it just no regrets? Yeah, I regret what I did at Fitzroy. At the end of the day, I'm pretty proud that Mark's going to be a one-club player. And I know it's it's lost its gloss of that, so they reckon, but I don't reckon it has. I don't think... Joel Selwood or Scott Penelbury would like to be a three-club player. They want to be a one-club player. And at the end of the day, I wish I was a one-club player because I, towards the end, I played a few ordinary games. That's why I didn't stay in the seniors at the end. If I started Fitzroy and played those games, I would have been still in the seniors. You get credit points, don't you? Mm. Plus also, that's where you're brought up. You know, you, you grow, up a, a, grow up a male. You know, you grow up, now the girls are playing, grow up, grow up as a person in a football club or a sporting club. And, it, and you throw it away and you've been there 10 or 11 years and just, for whatever reason, you had to go or you can't help it sometimes these days when you get told to go. Mm. But when you make that choice yourself, um, you know, I can, I'm not going to mention names, but there's players now that have left clubs after a long distinguished career, go to another club and played two or three bad games and out they go, never to be seen again. Well, ask Dougie Hawkins about it. You know, ask even Peter McKenna about it, who went to another club at the end of their stint as being a champion of their club, and they they would probably say the same thing. Yeah, well, you know, when you, if you're lucky enough to play any sport for 15 years or whatever it is, and three quarters or 80% of it is in one place, you know, that, that's where you, that's what you're... Your attraction is, isn't it? That's where your love is. And it's pretty hard to you throw that away mm. for whatever reason. Yeah. And I thought I did, you know, it was, I sort of forced out at the end because I spoke up and because what Fitzroy did at the end of the day, Ian Miller went back to, to Perth, who was my best mate at the footy club at that stage. Um, and then Fitzroy said, oh, geez, we better do something. So they went out and got Bernie Quinlan. They got out Robert Walls. And they got Jerry McCarthy. They got they got about six or seven players. So actually what I did 
they might not take any notice of me. But what I wanted them to do, they actually did the following year. Made the finals in 78 under Steve-O mm. and had a pretty successful year in the 80s because they made all those changes and brought blokes like Robert Walls and Quinlan into the club. So in some way I can say, yeah, I helped them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you did. Uh, how's life for you now? I think you've just retired, haven't you? Just retired, yep. Um, what are you doing with yourself? I just bought a new place and I've got to slowly moving stuff across into that sort of stuff. That's a big job. Yeah. You don't realise how much crap you've collected over I've the thrown years. Out, I've thrown out heaps of stuff already. <laughs> and uh, a big thing is that when, I, when it moves finally made, then got to go, my God, what am I going to do with myself? Because I try to t- get the golf club going, but I've got mm. the arthritis in the old wrists and can't do it. So it might be the old lawn bowls, mate. Oh, righto. Have, you, tr- have you done that before? Oh, I need just socialising and all that sort of the stuff. The barefoot bowls with a couple of beers in hand? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to do that, aren't you? Oh, I think so. So that might be my go. But I do walk every day and all that sort of stuff, so I'll find something to do. Hmm. Last question. How long do you think it'll be, or do you think you'll see it in your lifetime, that you'll see your son stand up on the dais at the MCG on the last Saturday in September and maybe... Accept a medallion? Is it is the tide turning? Is it just around the corner? Do you th- think that'll happen in his lifespan well, at Carlton? The thing he's hang, hanging his hat on, and I'm hanging my hat on, and uh, and probably other folks around his age are hanging their hat on. Is a th- in the old days it wouldn't happen quickly. In these days it happens quickly. You look at um, Western Bulldogs, mm. Richmond, Richmond. You look at and it. It's, it's a possibility. Like, Brisbane could do it this year the way they're going. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, things can change, and that's what he's hanging out for, and that's what I'm hanging out for. So, I do keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope so. Let's hope you get that one day, because he's been a great champion of the game, and so were you, and it's been an absolute privilege for me to sit down for the last hour and have a chat to you. Murph, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Peter. John Murphy joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back with another champion of Australian sport same time next week. Hope you can join us then. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.